word Palestine. There are five cities attributed to the Philistines, namely Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, Gath, and Gaza. There are verses in Ezekiel 25 and Amos 1 also that refer to the Philistines. The territory of this people was in the Gaza Strip along the Mediterranean coast of Palestine and today is controlled by Israel who has taken, who has taken that uh, portion of the land in the 1967 war. Tyre, we touched on Tyre at the beginning of the week. Tyre, the city, as everyone knows, was and is located on the Mediterranean Sea coast. A prediction of her destruction is to be found in Ezekiel 28. I might read that. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28.16 By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up, was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground, I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy, sanct thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth, in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and thou shalt, and never shalt thou be any more. The meaning of this is obvious to one acquainted with the history of the kingdom of Tyre. It was a royalty of Palestine and Upper Galilee whose king Hiram was in intimate alliance with Solomon. He appears to have been a proselyte worshiper of the God of Israel, whom his successors sometime afterwards forsook, and therefore God suppressed the kingdom of Tyre by Nebuchadnezzar for 70 years, and finally by the Greeks. Today, today this area is occupied by Lebanon. Lastly, we come to Asher, A-S-S-U-R. Psalm 83 states that Asher is joined or confederated with all these people in this chapter and is helping the children of Lot. Asher is another name for Assyria, which figures prominently in the prophecy of Daniel. Asher was of the line of Shem. The territory of Asher today would be in Syria and or Iraq. 
In this prophecy, she helps or assists or is allied to Moab and Ammon, which we have already said is Jordan. Both Syria and Jordan have something in common regarding Israel, and that is that Israel took territory from both of them during the 1967 war. The West Bank and East Jerusalem were taken from Jordan, and the Golan Heights were taken from Syria. Considering this alliance as stated in this prophecy, it appears to me that these two would lead a joint effort of Arab forces to attempt a takeover of Israel future to our day. I find it very interesting that these verses do not include Egypt as a partner to this amalgamation of countries that tried to cut off Israel from being a nation. Egypt did participate in the 1948 and 1967 wars with Israel. So can we say that these previous wars are not to be considered a fulfillment of Psalm 83? It was after the Six-Day War that Egypt and Israel signed the Camp David Agreement. Egypt has a role to play in the future establishment of the Kingdom of God. So it would seem to me that they, by not being party to this attempt to drive Israel into the sea, will not be destroyed with the rest of this great host. I believe we have seen another piece of the puzzle being put into place. How successful are these nations going to be in their crafty counsel to cut off Israel from being a nation? I believe that Psalm 83 provides the answer. Verse 9. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the brook of Kison, which perished at Endor. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all their princes as Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O my God, make them like a wheel, and as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth the wood, and as the flames setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, or Yahweh, art the Most High over all the earth. What happened to the Midianites when confronted by Gideon? found in Judges chapter 7. What about Sisera and Jabin? Judges 4. What about Zeba and Zalmunna? 
Judges chapter 8. All of these people perished at the hand of Israel. We're reminded of the verse that says, I will bless him that blesseth thee, and curse him that curseth thee. This verse is held true down through the stream of time, even to this day. Is Psalm 83 in any way related to the challenge of the Arab peoples of Israel's right to exist? The Arabs have tried five times at least since Israel became a nation to drive them into the sea, but to no avail. Are they destined to try again? Based on the fact that I do not believe that this prophecy has been fulfilled as yet, I would say that the Arabs are to meet their fate at the hand of natural Israel. And I recognize that I cannot establish a time frame. In our overhead on Psalm 83, we find that these ten Arab nations listed in the first half of this chapter are reduced in our day to Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Syria, and or Iraq. The overthrow of these nations would eliminate the Palestinian PLO problem. These areas can also be can also be shown on this map. There is a saying among Christadelphians when speaking of the overthrow of Gog and the apostasy, and that is, are you a one battle or two battle person? One battle meaning that you believe that Armageddon is one continuous war, whereas a two battle person is one that believes that there are two separate wars with a period of peace between them for the preaching of the age-lasting gospel. I would suggest to you that we may have to modify this a bit and ask if we are a three-battle person, with Israel taking on the Arabs as a preliminary to the defeat of Russia and then that of Rome. It is my suggestion that Israel defeats these Arab nations with the unseen help of the Almighty, and then, and only then, Israel may dwell alone, as she has defeated the people round about. The parable of Balaam speaks of Israel dwelling alone, and that's found in Numbers chapter 23. verse 9 for from the tops of the rocks I see him and from the hills I behold him lo the people shall dwell alone 
and shall not be reckoned among the nations. An alternate reading for this verse is found in the New English Version where we read, I see a people that dwells alone, that has not made itself one with the nations. And isn't this what we are witnessing today? Isn't Israel showing her independence in that she has not, yet at least, traded land for peace? She continues to erect housing on the West Bank. She has no fear of losing the support of the United States. She has not and is not making herself one with any of the nations. How much of this will change under the new government, we don't know. It will bear our constant watching. I made a list of all the political entities mentioned in the prophecies that pertain to the time of the end. This did not include um, the ecclesiastical, but these were all the names that, that I could find, they listed in alphabetical order, that um, are concerned with the time of the end. So when we consider this, There's almost more here than, than a person can, can follow in these latter days. How much land would Israel have to have if she were to conquer all the nations listed in the first half of the chapter of Psalm 83? If, she were, if Israel were to conquer all these nations, then she would possess approximately the same land mass that is known as the Abrahamic land grant as defined in this overhead. What effect would an Israeli takeover of all this territory have upon the balance of the nations of the world? I would perceive that every nation that depends upon Arab oil would become immediately alarmed over this act of aggression on Israel's part. There would be emergency meetings taking place in the United Nations, as well as in many capitals of the countries around the world. How many countries do you think would dispatch their armed forces into this area to overthrow this country that has been such a has been such has been the center of attention for over 40 years? How about all the Russias? When they were known as the Soviet Union, they sat back and watched as the Arabs attacked Israel many times and lost. 
But this time, the warfare would not just end with a token defeat that would allow the Arabs to recover. This time, the Arabs would suffer great loss of territory, plus all their wealth of oil. Russia would perceive that this takeover by Israel would surely bring other nations into the area. And she then thinks that evil thought to go into the land of unwalled villages to take a spoil and a prey. For Israel, having now overcome the nations round about, may dwell safely or confidently. The spoil taken by Israel is to be divided according to Zechariah 14. Verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. Russia, being the closest nation to Israel, could easily launch a two-pronged attack into Europe and into Israel. Her destiny, like many others, will be to fall upon the mountains of Israel. Are the nations in their pro proper prophetic positions as we understand the scriptures? We believe that they are. But if they are not, can this world survive another five to ten years or more? More importantly, are we ready for Christ to come? This year, as was pointed out yesterday by Brother George, has been recognized by some of our brethren as the end point of a pro prophetic time period. It is the time period of 1260, 1290, 1335 day years of Daniel 12. This year of 1992 has been pinpointed as the end point of the 1,335 years of this prophecy. The year is now over one half gone. Is our faith beginning to waver? Are we beginning to wonder that this may not be the year after all, let's look at the other end points in this prophecy. The 1260-year end point was 1917. In that year, General Allenby entered Jerusalem, thus freeing the city from the Ottoman power. Do you know? Or if you were alive, do you remember when this occurred? 
It was on December the 19th, December the 9th, I'm sorry, 1917. That event must have been a great shot in the arm to the faith of those brethren who were looking for some significant event to occur in that year. That event came in the 12th month. Did their faith waver? In 1947, those of us who were aware that we were 30 years beyond 1917 and consequently at the end point of the 1290 years of, of Daniel 12, we too were waiting with great expectation for some striking event to occur. We waited until the end of the 11th month of that year, until November 29th, 1947, to see the petitioning of Palestine. Since we are now in the 45th year beyond 1947, which would co coincide with the 1335, is it not reasonable to believe that we will see a significant event before this year comes to an end? What will that event be? Turn to Daniel 12. Verse 13, Daniel was told, But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. The prophet was being told that he would sleep in the grave until the fulfillment of this time and then he would rise in the resurrection. Another translation states, you shall arise to your destiny at the end of the age. We sincerely believe preparations are now being made to send the Son of God back to this earth to judge the quick and the dead. Those who have not made as yet a covenant by sacrifice should know that once our high priest leaves the throne on high that the door to salvation will be closed until such time as the age-lasting gospel is once again preached in the earth. The words of the psalmist, we believe, are about to be fulfilled when he said, Gather my saints together unto me, those 
those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Today is July the 10th, 1992. We are at the end of our study together. We have taken a look at the origin of the nations, how they developed as a part of God's plan, and what is in store for some of them in the latter days. All of us can be classed in scriptural terminology as watchmen. We are watching events all over the world as we seek to follow the outworking of God's purpose in the earth. We are watching the signs of the times. And what we are able to discern in all this is very encouraging. We do believe that God is in control. That he is maneuvering the nations into that alignment which will bring the nations to their knees at the hands of Christ and his saints. This week, we have been somewhat insulated from the world. Most of us have not read a newspaper, listened to the radio, watched any television, we have been somewhat secluded in these our little chambers for a little while. Thinking principally upon God and his purpose in the earth. wish it could continue. And in some measure, it is in all our own control whether this type of, of study and conditions continue in our lives. We await that day of earth's redemption and the restitution of all things. I don't know whether I can read this last verse or not. Our admonition to each one here is found in 
the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain, <laughs> 